Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Hammer and Nigel. you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock So Hammer, last night, Bill O'Reilly, who is friend of the show, been on various, uh, many times, multiple times on this program, broke the news and other after this various outlets have reported the same thing but bill o'reilly basically broke the news that donald trump will be indicted again this time for the the whole classified documents thing at mar-a-lago there's actually it's really weird there's two grand juries convening right now one in washington dc and then one in florida and i really understand that what's going on but here's bill o'reilly last night What I found out is that Donald Trump is going to be indicted soon by special counsel Jack Smith on felony charges uh, that Mr. Trump removed classified documents from Washington, brought them to Florida when he should not have. That charge is coming this week, my anonymous source tells me. Now, as you know, I don't like anonymous sources, but in this case, There's no other way to report the story. This is an extremely reliable source. Yeah, and since then, Politico has reported the same thing. I'm reading that Steve Bannon's been uh, uh, subpoenaed for this whole thing. And, and, like, even if he's indicted tomorrow, we're not going to know exactly what this is about because they're going to seal it. Right. We're not going to have any idea. But I do know what's going to happen if they indict him tomorrow or next week or whenever it's going to be. It sounds like it's imminent, but whenever this happens, Donald Trump's approval ratings will go up because his base is going to say, you know what? They've been going after him since 2015. Enough is enough. We support our guy. And there are some folks who might even be DeSantis fans or Tim Scott fans, Nikki Haley fans, whoever, that might agree and say, you know what? I think... Our Department of Justice is being used for revenge and revenge only right now. So for that reason, I'm going to hitch my wagon to Donald Trump. Called the uh, weaponization of the Department of Justice and the FBI, I believe. Now, the question becomes, is that exactly what the Democrats want? If you're somebody that believes that the Department of Justice right now is just an extended arm of the Democratic Party, is this exactly what they want? Because it feels like the Democrats would rather run against Donald Trump next year than anybody else because they know they can beat Donald I, Trump. I believe that would have. I believe that in 2020 for sure. And but 2024, after the four disastrous years, years with Joe Biden, his his feebleness, his weakness, he's falling down left and right on stages and bikes. He's uh, the economy's awful. The border is awful. Um, Afghanistan was a complete and utter disgrace. And so that's why I'm saying I think Donald Trump might have a shot in 2024. It feels Biden. like we're at that position right now where I think it's fair to say that Ron DeSantis is going to have a hard time beating Donald Trump in the primary, but Ron DeSantis would have a better time against Joe Biden in the general because people will show up in droves to vote against Donald Trump. Yep. I don't think you're going to wow. see that against any other candidate, including DeSantis. Here is Texas Senator Ted Cruz. 
This attorney general, Merrick Garland, is the most partisan. He is the most political attorney general in our nation's history, and he has corrupted the Department of Justice. He has corrupted the FBI. He has corrupted the machinery of government, and they're perfectly willing to use it. It is effectively an arm of the DNC. The hypocrisy is massive. And mark my words, I believe Merrick Garland will indict Donald Trump. He wants to indict Donald Trump because he hates Donald Trump. He hates him. He's angry. Merrick Garland is angry that he wasn't confirmed to the Supreme Court. He wants to indict him. I think the plan was to indict him over classified documents. And then he got the enormous problem that Joe Biden seemed to have classified documents everywhere, including in the garage by his old Corvette. I don't think Merrick Garland will indict Trump over classified documents. Here's my prediction. He'll indict Trump over, quote, obstruction of justice for hiding the classified documents. So we're talking Ah. about legal stuff here, whether it's obstruction of justice, whether they use the Espionage Act to say it's not the fact that you have the documents. It's you move things around like they're going to try to find every loophole. Crazy. To go get Donald Trump. So nuts. Here's a little bit more from Ted Cruz. Now, mind you, he's not saying the underlying uh, classified documents were a crime because he'd have to indict Joe Biden, too. He's going to instead create a crime about a non-crime. That's going to be the basis of the indictment. And I think you're right. He will also indict Hunter Biden, but he'll do it on purely personal matters, dealing with drugs and guns and, and tax issues for Hunter that have nothing to do with Joe Biden because this DOJ wants to protect and insulate Joe Biden and the Biden family's corruption, and they want to use Hunter Biden as a scapegoat to justify targeting Donald Trump. Not only DOJ, but the FBI. They finally agreed to give over the document. The whistleblower said proves that Joe Biden took money, $5 million for the pay-for-play thing from a foreign entity when he was uh, vice president. And, you know, but the House Oversight Committee can only do so much. They can only present that evidence to the D- Department of Justice. And Mary Garland is not going to do anything with Joe Biden. No. And you said it earlier, whether you want to say weaponization or whether you want to use the word revenge, that's what you're seeing right now. So you've got bitter Merrick Garland and the wife of Jack Smith, who's the special counsel appointed by the DOJ to go after Trump. The wife of Jack Smith was a huge donor to Joe Biden and the producer of a Michelle Obama documentary. So do you think Donald Trump's really going to get a fair shake from those folks involved here? You don't have to be the biggest Trump fan in the world to look at this and go, this thing stinks. And this should concern everybody that if you can't get a fair shake from the legal system here, we got a lot of problems. Jim Jordan, he's the chairman of the House Judiciary Committee. Here he is talking about the issues we have right now with the justice system. If, in fact, you can believe media reports, they are getting ready to indict the former president of the United States, an announced candidate for president in the 2024 uh, election, who is leading in every single poll, not just in the Republican primary, but against his likely Democrat opponent, President Joe Biden. And they're going to indict him. I mean, and then you couple that with everything they we have seen uh, how they've went after President Trump now for the last eight years. 
The Durham report points out that there was no credible evidence, no predicate, no probable cause when they lost, uh, launched Crossfire Hurricane and spied on the presidential campaign in 2016. That led us into the Mueller investigation in 2018. Then, of course, in 2020, they suppressed the Hunter Biden laptop story. 2022, they raided his home 91 days before an election. And now here we are looking to indict him a year and a half before the presidential election. Like, I've never seen anything like it. Can you say election tampering? Is that fair? I think that's fair. I mean, he just listed off a whole slew of things that ha- happened or surrounding during Trump's uh, 2016 election, during the 2020 election. Uh, now he's now he's being indicted again. Possible indictment coming down for a second time during his 2024 campaign. So over I- the, over a, 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 basically a non-crime. <laughs> I don't. This yo, you had boxes of documents and you obstructed. I just I don't get it other than the fact that they're out to get him. But I'm wondering if this is a win-win for the Democrats here. On one hand, yes, you get to embarrass Donald Trump again. You get to indict him again and make him go through this whole process again. And on the other hand, if you flip the coin over and it lands on the other side, you know this is going to make him more popular. It's going to make him rise in the polling And I think that's what they want. The Democrats would rather run against Donald Trump in the general election than Ron DeSantis, than Tim Scott. Those folks have no chance right now of beating Donald Trump in a primary, but I think they would hold up better against Joe Biden in a general election. Now, Chris Christie, he's also running to be the Republican nominee. (laughs) He's got thoughts on this possible indictment. The problem with this is, let's go to pull it back for a second. It's a bigger problem whether he's indicted or not, because these are all self-inflicted wounds. Return sure. the documents. He and did. Stop doing this. Why do you have to be the center of negative attention all the time? Why do you have to be angry all the time? And, and that's what Donald Trump has done. So I'll wait to see and make a judgment uh, on the indictment if and when one comes. Um, but certainly, as you know, on the Alvin Bragg stuff, I said at the time, um, that's a ridiculous indictment and one that I would have never brought as a prosecutor. But it doesn't mean that the next one and the next one are not going to be problematic. And by the way, that's weight that Donald Trump will have to carry if he's the nominee into a general election uh, in, in November. And why do we want to take that risk? So if I understand this correctly, Chris Christie, team government, when it comes to this situation. (laughs) And just a reminder, and Nigel brought this up earlier, Joe Biden's been hiding classified documents at his home, next to the bitchin' Corvette, in the garage, (laughs) stuff going back from the 70s. I made voluntarily, no one's had to threaten to do anything. Voluntarily open every single aperture I have with the house, offices, everything for them to come and look and spend hours searching my home. Invited them. Nobody. And so, and the best of my knowledge, the kinds of things they picked up are things that from 1974 and stray papers. There may be something else I don't know. Why do you think you might have classified documents from the 70s in there, <laughs> Joe? You shouldn't have any of that stuff. You had no clearance to get anything at all, really, until you became the president. president. Uh, So with all of this talk about indictments, Nige, I think the best way to put a bow on this segment is thinking back to one of our Hammer and Nigel record singles where, uh, quote, 
Donald Trump got to sing a little bit. Really? Remember the Pointer Sisters song, I'm So Excited? Sure. Yeah. I'm so indicted, <laughs> and I just can't hide it. My polling's going up, and I think I like it. I'm so indicted. My base is united. Stormy and Alden, we know that you're fake news. We are fighting the fake news. It's fake, phony, fake. There it is. I'm so indicted. Classic. Instant classic. From Hammer and Nigel Records. Matt Bear, what's up? You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show. Hello, my name is Nigel Hammer, right over there with a special guest on the DriveHubler.com hotline. Marcus Bailey is the meteorologist at Wish TV 8. Marcus, are we still dealing with the effects of the Canadian wildfires here in Indy? Yeah, we are. Um, we got a little bit of a break temporarily uh, yesterday, kind of in the morning with a cold front, and a big reason was just we had kind of a brief wind shift, but the winds are back out of the north and east, and if you've been outside at all, I mean, it, for the most part, it looks pretty good, right? I mean, we're getting some sunshine, a lot of sunshine, but it's a little bit more hazy and lightly filtered, and you don't have that bright blue sky overhead like we, we should. I mean, it's above any smoke layer that we have. I mean, it's crystal clear above that right now. So, yeah, still dealing with that. I think we've been dealing with it since basically this past weekend. Is that in specific areas, or is this over the entirety of the, the state? The whole state. Okay, because well, I mean, like, here's, here's why I ask, because Hammer yeah. and I went out to get some strawberries today in the circle. They had the strawberry okay. fest. I didn't notice a thing. I couldn't smell anything. I didn't really sure. even you, – you know what I mean? Well, I, and obviously, I mean, to your point, I just, it's, it's become a big – national story because i mean i know you guys have seen the listeners have seen a lot of the incredible images that mm -hmm. have been coming out of new york city right. and washington dc and philadelphia which they're getting it way worse than we are um where it's actually coming down to the surface i've had some some facebook uh followers that have messaged me to be like hey I, it smelled like a campfire it's yeah it's been pretty it's been pretty isolated like it hasn't been most of the smoke has been way up in the atmosphere, but in some isolated areas, it kind of comes, it'll filter down. But that hasn't been kind of a widespread thing over the last several days for us here in Indiana anyway. The time that I noticed it the most, I think it was two days ago, Marcus, and it was probably around eight o'clock in the evening, you know, the sun's starting to go down. You know, I walked outside, you know, I'm doing some yard work after I got home and I could smell it. It did smell a little bit like a campfire. You're right. But you could see it looked hazy, but it wasn't humid or hot enough to have any haze in the air. No, I mean that. And, and that's where we've been saying um, where you really notice. I mean, obviously you can see it now if you're like paying attention, you look up you're like, oh yeah, it does look kind of more like a, milky white sky instead of a bright blue sky but where you really can tell the difference is in that sunrise and sunset time because the colors are just much more vibrant uh with those oranges and pinks and everything else it does really make for kind of a, a pretty or a picturesque view um but to your point i mean yeah in the evenings and maybe early in the mornings you may have that chance to kind of get the kind of a whiff of that campfire smell because the wind's kind of settle down and allow some of those smoke particles, if you will, to kind of filter down to the surface. But again, here in Indiana, it hasn't been 
thankfully, as much of a widespread uh, situation and as much of a hazardous situation as what they're dealing with on the East Coast if, right now. Have you heard any estimates of when things will be back to normal there along the, the eastern seaboard? So what what's causing this? And, yeah, I mean, so basically – it's all based on wind flow, right? So these fires are raging. It's an enormous wildfire in kind of a very rural foresty area in Quebec. And why we're seeing that is we're getting a northeastern flow. Quebec is northeast of Indiana. And so it's, it's all getting pushed by these upper-level winds. And to that, it's kind of swirling around. New York, you know, those major hubs on the East Coast are much closer. They're getting a stronger push uh, from the north. So what's going to change that is some sort of storm complex that's basically going to shift your winds. Um, until that happens, you're going to continue to just kind of funnel in that smoke. For us, we've got a storm system coming in this weekend. So I think we'll probably have to deal with this again tomorrow about this kind of similar setup we've had the past few days. And then a cold front will bring our winds to the west. Now you've lost your direct connection with those upper-level winds, and so you're not getting that smoke coming in. And eventually that same system will make its way to the East Coast probably by after the, you know, late into the weekend or early next week. It'll bring them some rain, bring us some rain, and thankfully it'll kind of um, it'll cut off the wind flow at least for a little while uh, coming straight out of Canada. Marcus, we got about 30 seconds here. Yeah. Are we in any danger? Do people need to be concerned about the air that they're breathing right now? Uh, I mean, there are air quality alerts. I, it's not, like I said, it's not a widespread issue. But if, if you're someone that kind of struggles with breathing anyway, asthma, COPD, the elderly, that kind of thing, you might want to kind of just limit your time outdoors. But for everybody else, um, you know, I, I don't think it's going to be a humongous issue. But just kind of be aware of that, again, for the rest of the day today. And then we'll probably have to deal with it tomorrow before we clean the air out on Saturday. Marcus Bailey, meteorologist, Wish TV. Marcus, you're the best. Thank you. Thanks, guys. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. You're listening to The Hammer and Nigel Show. So a uh, big feud going on between Fox and Tucker Carlson. Uh, they're threatening to sue Tucker over breach of contract. Did you talk about his first episode yesterday that he released on Twitter? Was that uh, was that late Monday night when he did that, or was that Tuesday? I forget. It was, it was Tuesday it was night. Tuesday night. Because remember, we were still here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you yeah. were in the can, and <laughs> I sent you the text. New video, Tucker. New video, Tucker. <laughs> And it, it was great, by the way. It had, it had everything. It had Ukraine. It had UFOs. Talked about, you know, what happens when the public relies on cable news for its information. Boy, Graham Nasty and, took some shots. Yeah, he did. He sure did. Deservedly so. And just let me say something about Tucker's show on Fox. Like, I tuned in for that 10 to 15-minute monologue every night. That's really why I tuned in. Oftentimes, I wouldn't finish the show on DVR. 
I would, you know, get distracted, do something else, go do the dishes, something else. But I would definitely, and that's what I like about what this first episode that he released was. It was, it was just ten, you know, to twelve minutes of Tucker spitting fire on a, a variety of subjects, and that's what I liked. So now Axios, they are the first to report that Tucker was told by a senior Fox executive that the network's goal is to keep him sidelined until after the presidential election. He allegedly was told you can't be back out doing media until 2025. Well, it's part of his contract. I mean, you read this article in Axios. Part of it says that Carlson's contract says he is prohibited from rendering services of any type whatsoever, whether over the internet, via streaming, or similar distribution, or other digital distribution. Now, I'm not a lawyer, but if Fox, as much as I disagree with it, Fox may have a point. If that language is in the contract that he signed, then what he did could warrant a lawsuit. What, what Tucker did in terms of putting out you know, a, a, an episode of his show on Twitter. But again, without looking at his actual contract, does that stipulate that he has to do that for another media company, like as a paid employee? Because as of right now, it doesn't sound like Tucker is getting no, paid no, no, from no, no. Twitter. Uh, yeah, Musk came out and said, as soon as Tucker said he was bringing the show to Twitter, Musk said, I don't have a contract with him. I hope more pe people from other into the um, the political spectrum come and do their show here as well. But yeah, there's no money involved. In so it. can so any real contract, and again, I'm not a lawyer. Maybe a not? lawyer can let us You're know. Kidding. <laughs> I'm the one or two guys here, you and I, that aren't lawyers, it feels like. Uh, but you can't really just stop somebody from going to social media, speaking mm, your mind, can I you? I don't know. That violates your freedom of speech. $25 million per year contract with Fox. There's probably some language in there that, that makes damn sure that, okay, we're going to give you all this money, but you know, you're know you signing your soul away, so to speak. Now, his lawyers are exactly, Tucker's lawyers are saying exactly what your point is, that it's a First Amendment thing. Right. Freedom of speech. So if Tucker Carlson watches a debate from home, and he just goes on to Twitter and says, boy, that was wild. Does that violate the contract according to Fox? Yeah, because there's no way that they can enforce that. That's what they're arguing over here. But you liked the Tucker on Twitter? I did. And most of the feedback, like like everybody was talking about how he was operating his own teleprompter. And it looked like it was amateur hour. And I, I thought it was fine. Like, if those were the only criticisms, if Brian Stelter can, you know, make fun of the fact that he's operating his own teleprompter, that's and that's all you have to say about it, then it's nothing. Then you really don't have a valid criticism. Of what he and the amount of people who have watched that exactly. video. Remember when AOC said, this is why deplatforming is important. We get <laughs> Tucker Carlson taken down so nobody can see his rhetoric anymore. Well, I got news for you, sister. That video <laughs> has been watched a hell of a lot more than anything if he would have put it on television. I don't know, like 80 million times so far and counting. I mean, an average uh, an average night with Tucker would be like 3 million, which is a lot for cable news. That's, right. a, that's a huge amount. It was 80, number one. 80 million times <laughs> over the past couple of days? It's crazy. And the amount of millions of views it had within the first hour let you know that this is a powerful dude that Fox is dealing with. So we're going to find out whose lawyers are better here 
But time is a factor because we're getting into debates. You know, the first debates are coming up in August. And then you got primaries, presidential election. Fox wants Tucker to have no part of that. But Tucker's like, yeah, I'm not getting paid. I'm doing this on social media. I've got freedom of speech. Let's see what happens. Speaking of seeing what happens, Mm. let's see what happens when we check in with wheeling, dealing, hair sniffing, kiss stealing Joe Biden. I got hairy legs. Take a test where you're taking cocaine. (laughs) Come on, man. You ain't black. So remember when Biden tried to roll out the Ministry of Truth? Remember that debacle, Nige? Oh, yeah. It wasn't called the Ministry of Truth, but that's what it was. That's that's a parody account on Twitter, I believe. (laughs) Our friend The Tonus, Tony Kennett, runs that, (laughs) which is a great parody account. Uh, But that was such an overreach, and it was such a debacle. Well, here they come back. The Biden administration wants to appoint anti-book banning coordinators as part of their new LGBTQ protections. So the yet-to-be-named Education Department coordinator will train schools, and I'm reading this right off the document here, and advise them that banning books may violate federal civil laws if they create a hostile environment for students. Banning books like the pornographic books that have been found in school libraries? Correct. Correct. Okay. These people never mention why some of these books have been removed from school libraries. It's always just conservative want to ban books. Right. Conservative, don't say gay bill. Don't say gay bills, you know, in Indiana and Florida or whatever. There's no mention actually. It's it's all a giant, a big ball of misinformation when it comes to these types of things. They're hoping you're somebody that doesn't pay attention, that doesn't follow the news, and then all of a sudden you hear the story and you think, Oh, my God, the Republicans, they're trying to ban war and peace. They're trying to ban the grapes of wrath of the classroom. What is wrong with these Republicans? Well, that's not really what's going on here. First of all, this ban that you're talking about is poor language. Any book that has sexual content, and we're talking about graphic sexual content. We're not going to go into it now, but... Tony Kennett has gone into uh, the details when he's been a guest on our program. Those books have been removed from the children's section of libraries to the adult section. And if it's just a school library, those books have been taken out of the school library and either placed into the city library in the adult section. But we're talking about major pornographic stuff here. One of the, I was perusing the indie star website and they had a headline how new indiana laws will affect the lgbtq community and so i clicked on it i'm like wow what the laws are going to affect and it's all laws having to do with protecting kids from indoctrination and content that's inappropriate in the classroom it has nothing you know no gay person in the city is going to be affected be affected by these law, by the new bills that were passed, it all had to do with uh, males playing biological males playing female sports, puberty blockers, and uh, sex changes for kids, inappropriate materials in the classroom and the school libraries, it's things like that. And, and they, it, yet that headline made it sound like gays are going to, you know, have their rights stripped away from this. Not 
any way, shape, or form what it is. And the ACLU plays ball with that. The ACLU of Indiana puts out these ridiculous tweets, stop banning books, which tells me they're completely fine with very graphic sexual things put in front of children. That's a weird flex to me for the ACLU of Indiana. Uh, We are checking in with Joe Biden. This was a peak Biden earlier today. He was chatting with the uh, UK prime minister and take a listen to this. He's got this rambling story about the Truman balcony. And then he forgets Winston (laughs) Churchill's name and the poor bastard from the UK is just looking at him like, how do I get out of this room? Well, if we had time, I'd take you over to the residence where I lived. <laughs> and when you were over at Blair House, uh, the, uh, President Truman was there because they were redoing the White House. He put a whole the Truman balcony that exists now because of Blair House. Being that, about that second balcony, you see the first balcony. So, at any rate, and there's an awful lot of stories that are told, but probably a bunch apocryphal about uh, um, uh, former prime minister. Uh, like they take baths up there. Anyway, wandering so, around at three in the morning. <laughs> yeah, Winston Churchill bothering uh, bothering Mrs. Roosevelt. Yes. So you you won't, don't worry, you won't see me there. Oh my gosh. I'm sure China's just scared to death of the United States right now. Oh, absolutely. They're partnering with Cuba. They may or may not be putting into play a little spy satellite station. Meanwhile, we got Joe Biden rambling about balconies, (laughs) not being able to remember Winston Churchill's name, and then probably went upstairs, ate some ice cream, and watched Matlock. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Sunshine and 77 at the American Standard Cooling Weather Center here at 93 WIBC. By the way, I just wanted to mention, I I know you may have mentioned it yesterday when I was gone, but uh, uh, best of luck to uh, a friend of the show, Bob Cavoy, and I've known Bob for uh, since, shoot, uh, late 90s, early 2000s when I worked at X103 and then Q95's right down the hall there. So I saw those guys and a bunch when I was a kid. It was a dream of mine to be in that building and... And Bob became, Bob and I became, I mean, you know, friend, acquaintances, whatever, you know, he was really nice. They always offered up good advice to me as a young up and comer. But he announced yesterday on the show that he had been retired from since 2015, that he uh, is, is in the process of getting through stomach cancer. Already gone through the chemo, he's doing fine. And I think they're having a procedure from what I understood from what he told uh, the show yesterday that uh, he's having a procedure to have the have it removed here in a couple of weeks. So best of luck to you, Bob. He was the first guest on this first show, which I think we're creeping up on six years now of this show, right? An afternoon drive. Is it six or seven? I drink a lot, so I can't I remember. I think it's six, and he was the very first live in-studio guest. He had been retired for a couple of years by then uh, from the show, and, um, and we had the, you know, I just threw it out there thought man why don't you come in and, and hang out I, he, he immediately responded back and said sure i've never seen your studios i want to come check it out and oh that's the, awesome didn't he spend the entire hour with us he or, did or, man he told some great stories we had a lot of laughs and we talked about this yesterday there'd be no hammer and nigel show there might not be you know a uh, donnie baker or mark patrick doing comedy without bob and tom sure. laying the groundwork right bob and tom made it possible to do long-form talk-style radio 
with humor and bits and parody songs and things like that. And like you, Nige, I grew up listening to that and thought, man, these guys are just rock stars. These guys are the coolest. And uh, Bob's one of the good guys, man. One of the good ones and wishing him nothing but a speedy recovery. Uh, A story that took place yesterday. We didn't get a chance to talk about it a lot but there's been some changes at Ed Carpenter Racing. Oh, Connor Daly's out, right? Connor Daly is out. Wow, that was big news. Ed Carpenter Racing, and now they've announced his replacement. Ryan Hunter Ray will begin his career with Ed Carpenter Racing on June 16th at the Grand Prix at Road America. You know, we had a chance to sit down with Ed the week of the 500. We did our Tales from the Track event, and... Uh, we brought up Connor a little bit. You know, we're just kind of joking. You know, you're the boss. You ever have to boss him around a little bit? Smack him around. Smack him around a little <laughs> bit. And he was cordial and he laughed, but sounds like they're not getting the results that they want. I don't know if that's all Connor's fault or what's going on there, but uh, Connor Daly out and Ryan Hunter Ray is in. I hope Connor finds a ride, though. He'll catch on somewhere. I hope so, because he's good for the sport. He's got a great personality, and he runs well in Indianapolis. Now, the other places, maybe that's what the problem is. I don't know. But uh, he always seems like he runs really well in Indianapolis. Does Ryan Hunter Ray have an Indy 500 under his belt? Yes. He won 2014, had a great duel with uh, Castro Neves coming down to the final lap. They were going back and forth. And, uh, oh, and is that the same year that, that Ed Carpenter got knocked out? Yes. Ooh. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he had that car. He was going to win. <laughs> yeah, we asked him about that. I remember that now. So best of luck to the guys at Ed Carpenter Racing. A uh, lot of Hoosier ties going on over there. Don't go anywhere. Top stories next. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock! Bobby, uh, completely honest with you, Hammer. Uh, the reason I missed work yesterday was not because of the original excuse I had told you, an emergency uh, daycare issue. Um, that is not the reason. I'll be uh, just honest here and say that the reason I missed yesterday is because I was tailgating at 8 a.m. for Mike Pence's official campaign <laughs> announcement in Iowa that he made yesterday afternoon around 1 o'clock or so. So I got the keg. I was grilling out all day. I had about 10 beers by the time Mike Pence, you know, I just, I can't miss those types of things. It's kind of like Indy 500 race day. <laughs> right. When Mike Pence gets ready to rock a crowd, <laughs> you get up early and things get pretty hairy right out of the gate. <laughs> so, yeah, that was yesterday, uh, Mike Pence making the announcement in the afternoon. And then later on last night was the town hall. I passed out way before the town hall. Well, you're in luck, my friend, because I care so much about our listeners. I watched this big hunk of crap. I watched this so our listeners did not have to. And the thing that I took away from the Mike Pence CNN town hall was that he seems to be all in on the Ukraine-Russia situation. He loves Zelensky, wants to go out of his way to give even more stuff to Ukraine. Yeah, I'm out. 
at one point he was criticizing Biden for not sending over jets fast enough to the Ukrainians. Now, I want to say President Joe Biden has been slow in providing military resources to Ukraine. I mean, they promised 33 Abrams tanks back in January. They're still waiting on them. We're still we're waiting on F-16s to be transferred from somewhere. The billions of dollars, not enough. I'm out on Pence. I like Pence and I like a bunch of the stuff that he stands for. I'm sure he's a nice guy, but um, uh, writing a blank check to Ukraine and, and, you know, saying as long as it takes. I mean, he agrees with Joe Biden. We'll we'll be there as long as it takes helping you guys out, writing you blank checks, sending you F-16s, whatever. I mean, that was no thank you. No. And again, keep in mind what he's saying here. He's not saying that. You know, well, we should absolutely help things because if there's a humanitarian crisis, we need to step up. That's who we are. We're the United States. No, he's saying that after all the billions that Zelensky has received and after the world tour of playing grab ass that Zelensky has gone on, it's still not enough. We need to send F-16s, and we can't wait. It's got to be right now. I mean, I thought that was the red line. At first it was, uh, oh, no, no, no. We're not sending Patriot missiles in there. We can, we're we going to give you guys a bunch of money, but we're not sending. And then they send the missiles. Oh, no, no. We're not going to send any tanks. Are you kidding me? And then they did agree to send tanks, although they haven't gotten them yet. And now we're, st- no, we'd never send F-16s. Why would we send jets? Like, eventually Russia's going to start looking at us and saying, hey, guys, um, you know, we've got our sights set on you too now. Like somebody should have been in there within the first month of that invasion and gotten those two in a room, like President Trump said he would have, and said, look, here's the deal. You don't get a blank check, Zelensky. We're going to make a deal. You know, you're not getting Crimea back. Uh, Maybe you could have parts of the Donbass region and you're not going to join. We'll make security guarantees for Ukraine, but you're not joining NATO. And you got to get tough on Russia, too. You got to be tough on both sides. Yeah, of course. Now, you tell Russia, hey, we're actually going to follow through with a lot of severe, harsh economic sanctions. You know, we'll pump our own oil. We'll say goodbye to you. And that's the way things are going to be. So if you both want to continue to make money, I highly suggest you find a way to get along here. And then to double down on that, Mike Pence last night on CNN tries to poke the bear a little bit and calls Putin a war criminal. Frankly, when Vladimir Putin rolled into Ukraine, the former president called him a genius. Uh, I know the difference between a genius and a war criminal. And I know who needs to win in the war in Ukraine. And it's the people fighting for their freedom and fighting to restore their national sovereignty in Ukraine. And America, it's not our war, but freedom is our fight. And we need to give the people of Ukraine the ability to fight and defend their freedom. It's not our war, but we need to have a blank check to one guy. He has to have all the F-16s in the world and tell the other guy I said he's a war criminal. But that's not my place to say anything. It's it's interesting when you look back. Who was president of the United States back in 2008, 2009 when Russia rolled into Georgia and uh, took over? That would be one Barack Hussein Obama. Who was president when... Russia rolled into Crimea and annexed Crimea from uh, Ukraine in 2014. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff, man. I didn't like last o- night. Obama. Yeah, and then and then guess who didn't in, uh, invade anybody when Donald Trump was was in 
office. That would be Russia. And guess who invaded uh, Ukraine again when a Democrat was in power again? That would be Joe Biden. I can't get behind a blank check. Now, listen, anytime you say that I'm not in favor of a blank check, all these people start to tweet at us. All these people start to make their little comments. Hammer and Nigel want Russia to win. Hammer and Nigel that. are Putin apologists. What does that mean for Russia to win? Right. Like, what's a winning situation here? I'm an American, and a winning situation for me is taking some of the money that you're just giving Zelensky and using it here in our country. If we had everything rolling here in the United States, if our border was secure, if our economy was dynamite, and if everything else was perfect, if the homeless situation was taken care of, the crime situation was non-existent, and we've got a surplus of money to play with, okay, then maybe you pick and choose who gets a little cash here. But we've got so many problems at home. We are in such debt and we are continuously giving money to a country and a dude who doesn't even necessarily like us. It's not like the Ukraine and the Ukrainians have this long history of being a great ally to the United States. It's not the case at all. I don't like Putin, and I don't like Zelensky. I don't like either one of them. I want some of our money to stay here. If we're going to use it for humanitarian purposes, if somebody needs help and aid, yes, that's who we are. But I'm not in the business of just giving away F-16 fighter jets and a blank check. That's not going to work for me, and Mike Pence seems to be all in on that. Uh, Sam, hit me with a little legal stuff. Crime. Punishment. Judges. Legal stuff. This dude that was stalking Taylor Swift. It's a guy from Northwest Indiana. Oh, wonderful. This guy is a lunatic. Now... I think he also lived out in California, but he's from Northwest Indiana. I'm going to briefly run down what this dude has been busted for. But I want you to understand, it seems like there was a pretty big security breach on behalf of Taylor Swift and her security team here. So this guy from Northwest Indiana has been arrested after he allegedly showed up at Taylor Swift's Nashville house last month. And the 36-year-old guy entered a not guilty plea on the charges of stalking and threatening serious injury, death, intimidation, and invasion of privacy Jeez. and harassment. So the investigation began on March 25th after this lunatic sent pictures of weapons via social media to members of Taylor Swift's management company, threatening to, quote, destroy them. What a psycho. Five days later, he was accused of leaving messages to Taylor Swift's dad that said Taylor is his soulmate and he's the only one that can make sure she's safe and secure. Okay. April 5th, he sent a threat via Instagram to one of Taylor's dancers on the tour. And in this threat, he claims that if there's any sexual performance on stage tonight, you can be sure I will destroy you and all of the other dancers and Taylor Swift as well. Then he tells a Taylor Swift management team member in a voicemail that he has to meet up with Taylor and that if he's not going to get that meeting, he's going to wear a bomb on his chest to the concert. Fast forward a few <laughs> weeks later. <laughs> there's more there's more in april 
He allegedly posted a threatening video to Taylor Swift's Instagram. Court documents show that he was saying that she deserves to be shot. Northwest Indiana representing. On May 5th, which was the day before Taylor Swift's show in Nashville, this lunatic travels there from his home out in Long Beach, and he made an appearance at Taylor Swift's penthouse where she's staying at. Did he get in? He got in by sneaking through an unsecured door. <laughs> and wow. Once one of her team members finally realized what was going on, he tried to say that he was a TV host there for an interview. And then before the authorities arrived, he got away from security and went on the run. So the very next day at Taylor Swift's concert in Nashville, this lunatic was able to get in. And he was sitting in a position where dancers, stage members, and even Taylor Swift were walking by him. They escorted him out of the venue, and he put out another hate-filled Instagram video threatening to kill Taylor. So it sounds like he was briefly in a position to, I don't know, perpetrate harm on her. Not only did he get into her penthouse, he somehow got like front row at the concert. I always wonder how these crazy lunatic stalker guys get money. You said he traveled from California to Nashville and was able to get into her house and was able to get into the concert. Right. Where do they get their money? And he wasn't just able to get into the concert. He was up close. Yeah. And have you seen the ticket prices for Taylor Swift's show? Imagine getting up close. Yeah, that dude's a lunatic, but there were some major breaches in security. If I'm Taylor Swift, I'm not real happy with my team here. Hammer and Nigel presents... Is... It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. Yeah. Is this anything? All right, let's rock and roll. Rock yeah, and roll. Hammer, how do we play? Is this anything? I will run a couple different stories by you. You break down all the information and give us a verdict. Is the story anything or not? Let's do it. A new study from Cal State Long Beach's Shark Lab shows that sharks and swimmers are often very close to each other when they're at the beach. Great. Now, the good news is that attacks are extremely rare, so the sharks are really not that interested in biting people. Here's the director of Long Beach's Shark Lab talking about the data and what it really means. We expect that these current hotspots will go cold and someplace else will go hot. So what we always tell people is always understand that these sharks are highly mobile. They could always be at your beach. But rest assured, the data that we're getting now indicates that as long as you're not bothering them, they won't bother you. Uh, Okay. How do you bother a shark? I would think just by simply, you know, by virtue of being in the water, you're bothering a shark. Right. If you're, if you're in, within a certain proximity of a shark, you're bothering it. And you don't know that the shark's there, but he knows you're there. Uh, sorry, this is another reason I don't get in the water much. When you go to like I, the ocean, because you go to Florida a lot. Yeah. When you get out to the water, how deep do you go? Just knee level. I don't get out there and float on a raft. I don't, you know, I'm usually out there with the kids looking for shells and stuff like that. I'll put on some goggles and a, and a you know, and a uh, what do you call that thing that you put in your snorkel? mouth? Snorkel. Snorkel, yes. And maybe just kind of in the shallow area but no I, I see some lunatics like swimming out to the buoys out there yeah to where it indicates where a boat can't get past like they I'm like no 
no thank you. So even like in like w- when there's a sandbar where you swim out a few, you know, uh, you know, 50 yards or so, and then there's a place for you to stand. But in between, like in the middle of the ocean where it's a sandbar and you can, you know, you're right. out there, but you have to swim to get there and you can't, you know, it's deep. That's scary enough. So I, no thanks. I was told by somebody at Madeira Beach that those sandbars, um, that's where you will find a lot of sharks because fish kind of get stuck on the sandbar sometime and marine life, and it's an easy pickup for sharks. So, you know, they kind of run the risk of getting beached, I guess, but like, that's where they're going to find a lot of activity. I'll start to get nervous when I can't, when I'm out there on a raft or out there like on a floaty, one of those big giant noodles or something, and, and I can't reach the bottom of the the ocean with my feet. Yeah. And so for this guy to say, eh, just, you know what, don't bother the shark, We won't. Bo- he won't bother you. You don't bother it. You, you're bothering the shark just by being in the ocean. You're in his house. <laughs> if a stranger comes into my be- house, you're bothering me. <laughs> I mean, trust me, if I saw a shark, I'm not going to swim towards the shark and start smacking it over the head and try to pet it. No. I'm no. going the complete opposite direction. Just by virtue of you being in the ocean and in proximity of a shark, you're bothering it. If anybody's listening has ever <sighs> been bitten by a shark or seen a shark like while you were at the beach, and I'm not talking about like on a boat or on some sort of tour, like you're wading in the ocean. If anybody has ever seen a shark, reach out to us here at the Hammer and Nigel show because I'd love to find out your reaction and what was going on. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, you can go to WIBC.com, send us an email. I'm wondering if anybody listening has ever had a real shark encounter when they've gone to the ocean. Is this anything? Country music star Trace Atkins admitting he was a little intimidated the first time he had to make out with Susan Sarandon <laughs> on the set of Monarch. Susan Sarandon. I was, yeah. yes, I was intimidated the very first day on set. I had to make out with Susan Sarandon. I mean, it's like, hey, how you doing? And we started kissing. You know, it was the weirdest thing. And I was like, yo, my God, Thelma and Louise, you know, dead man walking on and on. It's like, oh, my God. I just would have been like, God, I'm making out with a grandma. She's 76 years old. You're telling me you wouldn't take Susan no. Sarandon to Pound Town? No, uh, what, what's wrong with you? She's... It'd be like making out with your with your grandma. Your well, Martha grandma. Stewart was just on the cover of Sports Illustrated. No. You're not hitting that either? No. <laughs> What's wrong with you? Now, Trace Atkins ain't no spring chicken. I think he's like right. in his 60s. It's not like but we're now, talking about, you Susan know. Susan Sarandon was old in Bull Durham. <laughs> <laughs> and she's so over-the-top liberal, too. Yeah, it's I couldn't such take a it. turnoff. No, like, thank you. Would that matter to you at all if you found like some super hot chick? Let's say you're single, Nige. Yeah. Single, Nige, at this point in your life, and you find a chick at the bar and she's cute and you like her and she's attractive. And then she starts talking about how much she loves Antifa and how much <laughs> these god awful well, Republicans want to ban books and how kids should have mutilation surgeries. Is that a, is that a turnoff? Mm, in bed you know she's crazy <laughs> you know she's got what it takes I, I i think if you're purely a physic from a physical standpoint no it's not a turnoff desperate times <laughs> call for desperate desperate actions it's the hammer and nigel show crime punishment judges legal stuff 
Hammer in Wisconsin, police arrested a man. They say stole a police car while he was awaiting trial for stealing a different police car. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a uh, track record here. <laughs> here is the moment that police officers realized that Daniel Barton had stolen their vehicle. Is that your squad? That's your squad. Someone just stole my squad. <laughs> person that's stolen an MPD squad before. Dude, did that guy just steal your squad car? <laughs> he goes, is that mine? Yeah, that's your squad car, dude. Somebody just stole it. You have to imagine police officers give each other crap if that happens. Right. Like, it, you don't want to be the guy that has your car stolen by some ridiculous lunatic, right? Well, not only that, a, a lunatic that's already awaiting trial for stealing a different police car. <laughs> Don't okay. leave him around your police car. <laughs> yeah. Is this tweeter from Varsity Blues <laughs> getting naked into the police car and driving around West Canaan? Is that what That's this a is? Great reference right there. I would not have come up with tweeter from uh, Varsity Blues. Pulls uh, up. He's got naked chicks in the car yelling at Mox to get in. <laughs> but that's got to be one of those things where. The, the police officers give heavy amounts of crap to somebody, to one of their fellow officers. They leave the keys in the car or the door is wide open. Dude, they just stole your squad car. Well, that was a negotiation point for Bradley Cooper in The Hangover. Remember, they had gotten locked up and they made a deal with the Las Vegas police. Listen, how would it look on you if they found yeah, out that's a bunch right. of tourists came in and stole your squad oh, car? Oh my gosh, that is right. <laughs> so then they end up oh. getting tased instead. <laughs> Come on, ride the lightning. <laughs> Love the intensity. Speaking of Grand Theft Auto... I got another, another story here. A Philly woman received $500 worth of speeding tickets in the mail after a thief stole her car back in March and got caught by a speed camera. Okay. Here's Patricia talking about the long process of disputing these tickets and finally getting it all cleared up weeks later. I got uh, speeding violations from the PPA. I actually came out and my son said, Mom, where's your car? I looked and I was like, you got to be kidding me. They sent me an email, said they got my documentation and everything. It would take five to seven business days for them to give me an answer. Two weeks later, I called. I still did not have an answer. Two weeks later, it's in review. Week later, it's in review. Do not give up. Be persistent. You will get somewhere. Yeah, I can imagine the red tape that she had to go through to cut through to prove that it wasn't her driving her car. And that's what I don't understand about these. We, I don't think we have these in Indiana, do we? Do we have speed cameras? In car, Sam. Sam, do you know? Do you know? I, I actually do know because I moved here from Pennsylvania, so I have a direct one-to-one -one relation. Uh, Indiana has very few cameras. I mean, only at, like, super... So, wait, these cameras not only detect your speed, but they'll get your license plate number if right. you're speeding and then send you a ticket in the mail? Yes. That's how tolls work now, too. Like, if you go yes. down to Nashville, if you're driving straight from India to Nashville, there's a toll uh, that you pay, there's no more toll booth Willie. He's no longer there. You don't have to stop anymore. You effing idiot. <laughs> Welcome to Wishta. <laughs> the camera just takes a picture of your license plate, then they mail you a thing. That's bullcrap. And it's creepy. Because how how do you know... How, do, how can they prove that it was... Maybe you let somebody borrow your car. Or in this instance, this woman's car got stolen and they sent her, you know... $500 worth of speeding tickets when it wasn't her. There's some flaws in the system. 
I and, believe. And it's again, it's like Big Brother creepy. And you're right. But at the same time, put yourself in the position of somebody that works at the Department of Revenue, right? And it's your job or Department of Public Safety, whatever it is, to get the ticket money. Do you know how many excuses they probably hear every single day? Oh, sure. It wasn't your car. Somebody stole your car. That's why you've got a million dollars worth of tickets. Sure. Okay. But that's what I'm saying is that's just a, an easier way for them to collect your money, to get your money. I mean, maybe it's safer for the police officers. They don't pull somebody over for speeding and wind up getting in some gun battle, which has happened before. Uh, but if you're the kind of person that's going to get into a, some altercation with the police, do you think you're really going to pay these speeding tickets? And are they doing it if I, I you're one that's... above the you know posted speed limit? Yeah, exactly. Because I got but news for you. If you're doing just 70 on 70 you're getting passed in the slow lane right i mean you oh on 465 flow of traffic gets going pretty quick 465 i'm it's 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 at least 65 to 70 even though the speed limit's always been 55 on the loop which is kind of like you know playing russian roulette with the potholes in this city right now oh you want to go fast huh ba-boom there goes your tire i mean coming home at night after the show on 65 north out of downtown i mean there are just some crazy crazy drivers weaving in and out of traffic flipping people off some some big redneck i think i told you a couple of weeks ago in this white pickup truck with the lift kit was just just and it had like the muffler on it when it went <laughs> and like it, like i think it had, it had one of those it was one of those white truck it, it was a truck but it had like a smokestack like it was a semi <laughs> on the side this hillbilly was weaving in and out of traffic flipping people off and there was this dodge charger that was chasing it it was obviously some sort of road rage incident and anybody and give no, each other thumbs down <laughs> no thumbs down this is an aggressive hard finger and man that's never <laughs> when any police are around like if i go through a rolling stop i've got like the team chasing oj behind me but when that's happening <laughs> yeah, out on the roadway exactly. there's Look, never anybody to be i just found. got a text from my buddy gt i'm going 72 right now on 465 GT, put your te- put your phone down. <laughs> he just texted me. Uh, I'm going 72 right now on 465. I got a oh. beer in one hand, my phone in the other. I'm driving <laughs> with my knees. <laughs> Sam, I just to add the tiniest bit of validity to why Pennsylvania does this. These cameras are usually set up in areas with high amounts of construction. It's not like they're everywhere. It's like near a construction area where people are working on the roads, especially on the interstate or toll roads like you mentioned earlier, where, I mean, the toll roads and PA people are easily hitting 100 sometimes, and they're not paying attention to the fact that someone's doing construction on the side. If I say toll booth Willie, do you know who I'm talking about, Sam? Not personally, no. <laughs> so when Adam Sandler, Adam right Sandler first yeah. came out with like comedy CDs, yeah. uh, they're all gonna laugh at you was the title track of the album, and there was a bit called Toll Booth Willie on there, and it had voiceovers by like Conan O'Brien and David Spade and Tim Meadows, and Adam Sandler was the East Coast Massachusetts toll booth worker with a foul mouth. <laughs> well, the like David Spade. Spade would pull through the toll booth and insult him. Right. Here you go, you effing... Like, I, I, I Here's $1.25 you... and go bleep yourself. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've already heard that one, <laughs> you piece of repeating blank. 
All right, let's give away some tickets. Speaking of comedy oh, here, okay. uh, Jeff Foxworthy is coming to Indy June 24th. It's part of the Laughing Matters uh, show. So how about caller number nine? 239-9393. We'll play the game that we've been playing all week long. Famous for jokes, famous for woke, but you have to be caller number nine to get the opportunity to play. 239-9393. 78 at the American Standard Cooling Weather Center at 93 WIBC. Hey everybody, this is Jeff Foxworthy, and you're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show. We got tickets. Jeff Foxworthy, Laughing Matters, Clues Hall, June 24th. Caller number nine was Steve. Steve, welcome to the Hammer and Nigel Show. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. I'm stuck in traffic, but uh, other than that, everything's great. Where are you at, Steve? I'm up here on the north side right there trying to get on 69 north. So, Oh, brutal. Just yes, brutal. It is. It's terrible. Traffic up there around this time of day it's has always... been awful since I was driving at the age of 16, and that was a long time ago. <laughs> long time always ago. been bad. <laughs> All right, Steve. So we got a couple tickets on the line here. We're going to play Famous for Jokes or Famous for Woke. Here's how it's going to work. I'm going to give you the name of somebody. It will either be somebody that's a famous stand-up comedian or somebody that's famous for being a progressive lunatic. Famous for jokes, famous for woke. You get three out of five. I'm going to give you the tickets, okay? Sweet. Here we go. Number one, famous for jokes, famous for woke, Richard Pryor. Uh, jokes. Yes, jokes. He, the, he, some of his specials are on Netflix right now. And I, I went down a rabbit hole just watching some of that stuff. And it still holds up. It's so funny. What do you think some of the young digital staff members and interns would say if they had to set through a Richard Pryor special night? They'd have a breakdown. They'd have a mental anxiety breakdown. All right. Fetal position. One down, He's- two to go. Famous for jokes, famous for woke, Gavin Newsom. Oh, yeah. He's an idiot. He's a woke guy. <laughs> I could hear the disappointment in Steve's oh. voice right there. Oh, God, this guy. Correct. Two down, one more to go, and we'll give you the tickets. Famous for jokes, famous for woke, Jerry Seinfeld. Oh, sweet. Definitely jokes. Famous for yeah, jokes. There, there we go. Steve. Congratulations. Steve, who um who are you going to vote for in the primary, like the for the GOP primary? Who, who's it going to oh. be for you? So I'm really in a toss-up because uh, I, I am a Trump guy, but uh, I, I was looking at DeSantis. Um, what scares me about DeSantis is, you know, he started talking a little bit about term limits there for a brief time, and then since he's got vote, uh, backed by the establishment, hmm. uh, I just uh, so I'm, I'm I'm really up in the up in the air right now. I uh, you know I hate the baggage that Trump brings with everything. But I'm just not so sure that the Thanos is going to be sold to the establishment and bought and paid for. Do you think, Steve, let's keep Steve on the phone here for a second. Do you think, do you think Trump can beat Biden in a general election is the key? Well, um, you know, we, we debate this all the time. I think, honestly, he beat him the first time. There's no way that Biden got 81 million votes. Just didn't happen. So uh, uh, do I think he can beat him? I, I don't know. I mean— I grew up by the establishment, always told me that I had to vote for the candidate 
you know, hey, you just got to put your feelings aside and, and vote for this John McCain guy, even though mm. I couldn't I couldn't stomach it. And then all of a sudden, when a, a grassroots guy gets in Trump, all those establishment people, what did they do? Oh, no, they became never Trumpers. So for years, they told me I need to stick with the guy, even though I might have to hold my nose. But then it seems like when their guy didn't get in, then it was like, oh, we're not going to vote for that guy. So, you know, I think uh, um, I, I, I think and I don't think Hammer's with me here, but I think I, I don't Trump has a shot against Biden just because Biden has it's been four years of awfulness from Joe Biden, from the right. economy. And I, I agree with you. And in theory, you're absolutely the right. Border. I've got such little faith that the Republican Party as a whole, led by Ronna McDaniel, is going to do anything to stop the onslaught of mail-in votes, ballot harvesting. I know they said they launched this thing yesterday, but I've got very little faith they're going to get it right. Does that make sense to you, Steve? Uh, 100%. I, I, I agree with you, and I think that a lot of them don't uh, – they're not going to get behind him. Uh, and, and, and the truth is Trump alienates a lot of people. He, he, he just can't keep his mouth shut, and, and he, gets, he, he just – you know, he, yeah. he makes it hard for people like a DeSantis with, with attacking him all the time to after it's over to, to coalesce behind him and, and start pushing him across that finish line. And Trump needs to stop doing that. He, he needs to be – you know, you can – you can go after people, but you don't have to make them hate you. You don't have to get personal with them, attack their policies, and and uh, and move on. But uh, that's not his style. Steve, my man, it's been good talking to you. Thank you so much for listening to our program. Enjoy that Jeff Foxworthy show. Stay on the line so Sam can get some more information, okay? Top stories. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Next. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock it! My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer right over there. They're going after Trump again. This has nothing to do with the hush money payments to the uh, the porn stars. Uh, that's Alvin Bragg's thing going on in Manhattan right now. This is a different indictment, Hammer. This is the classified documents down in Mar-a-Lago. Oh, that old canard. And there's a lot of legal stuff involved here. And Bill O'Reilly, a guy we've had on this program a number of times, had great conversations with Bill. Uh, he has his own program that he puts on his website. He's on Newsmax quite a bit. He was the one that broke this story last night. What I found out is that Donald Trump is going to be indicted soon by special counsel Jack Smith on felony charges uh, that Mr. Trump removed classified documents from Washington, brought them to Florida when he should not have. That charge is coming this week, my anonymous source tells me. Now, as you know, I don't like anonymous sources, but in this case, there's no other way to report the story. This is an extremely reliable source. I don't know, the whole thing just seems flimsy to me. 
I mean, Joe Biden did the same thing. Hell, right. Mike Pence did the same thing. It sounds like they're going to try to do a back alley approach here and use what's known as the Espionage Act to go after Donald Trump, which means it would be different than Pence and it would be different than Biden, even though we all know that it's not. But the verbiage would be different and they're using a different reason and different rationale. The moving of the documents more than actually having oh the gosh, documents. It's making my mind numb. It just doesn't seem like this will go anywhere, and it seems like an attempt for for either A, Donald Trump to drop out of uh, the presidential run, or B, to smear him so bad and make him look so toxic that maybe nobody will vote for him. Or there's a flip side to the coin, maybe where this will invigorate Trump's base, and maybe they want Trump to run against Biden because they think it's the only way that Biden can win is if he goes against Trump. And we'll talk about that with Rob Kendall. He's going to join us coming up here in uh, just a few minutes to go off the rails. But to me, it just comes down to a couple jilted lovers, if you will. And one of them is Merrick Garland, the bitter-ass former Supreme Court nominee that didn't get invited to the ball. And when Donald Trump became the president, he chose another nominee. So Merrick Garland hates Donald Trump, so he's going after him here. And then you've got the wife of the special counsel of the DOJ that's going after him. Jack Smith's wife was a major donor uh, to Joe Biden and also produced a documentary about Michelle Obama. So does it sound like Donald Trump's getting a fair shake here at all? No, I mean, the charges don't hold up in the Manhattan case with Alvin Bragg. These, this seems ridiculous. Donald Trump gave them everything they wanted in terms of the documents. He had them secured in a uh, in a location, and Joe Biden had those classified documents, what, in his garage next to the vet? Stuff from the 70s when he had no business having classified documents at all. Back when he was like a congressman and a senator and no position of power to where you could be taking classified documents home with you. They have thrown everything but the kitchen sink at Donald Trump over, I mean, since 2015, 2016, and nothing has stuck. Nothing. So this is going to be interesting. Sounds like it's going to happen sooner rather than later. And meanwhile, the FBI, they're dealing with their own stuff right now. So they did not want their director, Christopher Wray, to be held in contempt from the House Oversight Committee. So they basically caved. And now they have allowed, they've agreed to have James Comer and the members of the House Oversight Committee go through all these documents, including the alleged money document that shows pay for play with joe biden because they didn't want their director to be in contempt yeah this was when biden was vice president uh under obama and the alleged uh a payment of five million dollars for uh certain from for an entity a whistleblower came forward told the committee about this document and for months on end congress has been saying hey we want to see this the oversight committee is saying hey you need to hand this document over. We want to see it. It's not classified. The director, Ray, would not do it. And then they hit him with contempt, or they were going to hit him with contempt charges, and then they caved. But it's, it's, it's so transparent to me, Hammer, that it's political. Right. Here is James Comer. He is, again, the House Oversight Committee chairman talking about what's happening with the FBI investigation into the Joe Biden money laundering scandal. 
Two weeks ago, and Senator Grassley will testify to this, the FBI wouldn't even admit that this document existed. And now, not only are they admitting the document existed, they've allowed me to go in and look at a redacted version, and they're allowing, uh, they're offering uh, right now temporarily agreement here to let committee members go in and, and look at the, the document. Now, I can assure the American people, the House Oversight Committee is investigating this. We will use our subpoena power to trace every bank account that could potentially been, have been involved in this money laundering scheme. Uh, we believe that there's some reason that Biden family members are getting money all across the world. And we believe that this document is consistent with, with what we've seen in Romania and China and other countries around the world. That's why it's important to us. So you better be right yeah, then. Well, That's all we're saying. Be right. And he's exactly right about what he mentioned there at the end about Romania and China. It all lines up with what we already know and what they already uncovered is that Hunter and his his buddies, his business partners, set up a this weird web of LLCs that serve no purpose whatsoever other than to launder money from foreign entities and deposit them in the bank accounts of a bunch of Biden family members, including grandchildren, sisters, wives, etc., etc., etc. It's obvious that Director Ray is protecting the Bidens here, or else he just would have given over the document. He's protecting the Bidens. I mean, I could see one thing if it was like a national security thing, or he, he doesn't want the, the, the informant, the whistleblower's name to be. All you got to do is redact that. This is purely political. He's flipping off Congress. He's flipping off the Oversight Committee, um, avoiding the rule of law for political purposes. But now the pressure goes to Comer. Okay, so okay, you've yeah, got everything you want. That's fair. You've got yeah. everything you want. You've got to look at the document. Your oversight committee got to look at the document. You claim you've got the paper trail. You know the money coming in is dirty. You want to investigate the banks. You've got the power to do that. All right, do something with it. Because we mention this all the time, Nige. The thing the Republican Party is really good at is getting hot takes at committee hearings yeah. and then not doing anything else afterwards letting people off the hook whether it's the big tech folks whether it's the big pharma folks republicans are really good jim jordan matt gates even comer oh they can spit some fire but i don't see anybody behind bars 100 percent uh what do you make of this u.s applications for jobless benefits the highest since october of 2021 according oh, to a new report yeah i'm sure biden will take credit for that According right. to a report from the Labor Department, 261,000 people applied for unemployment benefits for the week ending June 3rd. That's a rise of about 28,000 from the previous week. It's so funny because, like, if your gas prices, for instance, like when gas prices go down, Joe Biden holds a big uh, press conference. You're welcome, everybody. Gas prices <laughs> have gone down 20 cents. They're still a dollar 50 higher than they were the year before, but they've gone down. It's all my doing. It's everything we've been doing here. But when they go up, crickets. Or it's Putin's fault. Or it's Putin's <laughs> fault. Yeah, sure. So I'm interested to see what the administration has to say. Uh, it's going to be crickets again with, you know, jobless claims going up. This number, the highest since October of 2021. Meanwhile, 1.76 million people receiving continuing benefits yeah. for claims. So they're not getting off of it. So when you see these job reports come out, and lately the Joe Biden job reports in terms of creating jobs, 
We're not talking about wages against inflation here, but just creating jobs against the expectations have been above and beyond. But then, quietly, without a lot of fanfare, you get reports like this, and you also hear that real wages are down. And there's a difference between creating new jobs and then jobs coming back that were here before. Recovering new jobs is probably a better way to describe it. Matt Baer standing by in the WIBC Traffic Center. You set him up and I'll knock him back, Lloyd. One by one. We are going to read booze news because it's really fun. Once it hits your lips, it's so good. Never to present. Booze news, booze news. Deal. Time for booze news. Bud Light looking like it's losing a big chunk of its business permanently, Hammer. Permanently? Uh, eight weeks after they uh, they partnered up with that transgender influencer dude, Dylan Mulvaney, who kind of is, like does cosplay and pretends to be a little girl. Can he still be considered an influencer if you've influenced the company <laughs> to lose business yeah. permanently? Yeah, that's a different kind of influencer. The sales have been are down 24% this year. 24% for Bud Light. I never thought it would last. I really didn't. I, Serious I didn't. question. Do you think Bud Light would have lost that much money had they just put Joe Biden on the can? This is, see, but that's the thing. They didn't even put this guy, Dylan Mulvaney's face on. They didn't sell it. It was like, I don't know. It was a personal product for him and the marketing at Bud Light. Tried to put it out there on Instagram. And I don't even have a problem. I have zero problem with the trans community here at all. Because it's what the Heinrich Schneid. Heinrich Schneid. The, uh, the woman that was behind this idea goes on a podcast and says, we don't like our fratty customers. This brand is going to go down the toilet, basically, is what she said. We don't like our customer base. Right. We think we could do better. But they were number one. I don't even think it has anything to do with Mulvaney so much as it has to do with her going and saying the things that she did. Like, I'm trying to think, who's the biggest country star that tours right now? Is it Chris Stapleton, Luke Combs? Kenny Chesney, I don't know. Kenny Chesney. Imagine if one of these guys came out and said, yeah, I sell out every stadium right now, but I'm so sick of all these brain-dead hillbillies. I want to appeal to somebody else. Because really, that's what Bud Light did. Yeah, they want to appeal to a very, very, very small minority of the population because they're woke. What, what were they thinking? And it's lasted, it's lasted for weeks. It's last, you know, seven, eight weeks now. Here, and Heiner Schneid's going to get the blame, and rightfully so. But it wasn't just her decision alone. Multiple people had to have signed off on that idea because that's how things work. Now, Heiner Schneid probably says, we're going to try to appeal to this new audience and we want Dylan Mulvaney to be involved. But all the butt sniffers and yes men around Heiner Schneid probably said, oh, that's a great idea and clapped like seals. So there's a lot of people to blame <laughs> here for this train wreck, but you never tick off the people who have made you number one. Imagine Nick Saban doing an interview in Alabama when season tickets go on sale. You know, we're tired of all these loud Southerners coming into our football games. We really want people who enjoy Broadway. Those are the people that Alabama football really needs to appeal to the most. So who's doing well then? Molson Coors. Uh, looking at the oh, really? uh, shares of Molson Coors, they're up 9.7% year over year. So... The rival, 
was the one that got the influence from Dylan Mulvaney. So maybe he is an influencer. Maybe we should take everything back. Dylan Mulvaney is an influencer for whoever is your rival. <laughs> because it certainly wasn't for Anheuser-Busch and uh, InBev. Uh, more booze news here. should put here. Tucker on the can. Oh, dude. <laughs> put Tucker Carlson on the can and Bud Light. They would save it. Okay, so that's the question. That's the question. Would people start drinking Bud Light again if they came out with, like, Tucker? And it's his weird and his inquisitive face on the can, making the Tucker face. Right, Tucker face. Would people buy Bud Light again? I think they would. I think they need to go for it. Because the Clydesdale commercials haven't worked. No. Trying to tie in, you know, this is the beer of America. This yeah. is the story of America. That's what they did right after the Mulvaney fiasco. People yeah, dancing yeah, yeah. in the rain at a country concert's not working. <laughs> but if they had an all new line of Tucker Carlson cans, <laughs> maybe that would work. Uh, we're doing some booze news here. And this is something that's making its way around online. So tell me if you buy into this. All right. There's a theory going around called two beers and a puppy. And what two beers and a puppy is, it's kind of a test to make sure that the person that you're surrounding yourself with is actually somebody you want in your life. Like if you would drink two beers with them and have a good time and trust them with your puppy, if you had to go out of town. Oh, I see what you're saying. Is that somebody you would want in your life? That's the test. That's the test. Two beers and a puppy. Two beers and a puppy. I have people like that. Sure, of course. Right. Yeah, yeah I have tons of friends, tons of neighbors like that. Now, that, I that, also a- have friends, though, that I wouldn't trust <laughs> watching television. <laughs> that are your friends. Right. I right. do, too. Yeah. Yeah, I, I could have the two beers with them, but I don't want anything alive <laughs> around some of these people. Yeah. At Hammer Nigel, who would you trust? Who's the person in your life, two beers and a puppy? Or who do you think would be a good two beers and a puppy person? Right. Is like, there a celebrity that you can think of off the top of your head? Like I'm not I'm not I'm not having two beers and, and giving my puppy to Joe Hogsett. Hogsett would drink the two beers and then sell your puppy for more beers. Um oh, wow. Wow. According to a recent survey from the fine folks at Samuel Adams. I always have to say it like that because of the commercial. Like, the imaging is in my head. Mm-hmm. Samuel Adams. You can't say Sam Adams. It's Samuel Adams. Right? Samuel oh, Adams. Yeah, always a good right. decision. Uh, they show a whopping 80% of Americans have obligations they would be eager to ditch this summer. Sure. So what they're going to do is they're coming out with a special line of cans that are kind of like magic eight balls Shut to up. where you... Look at the top of the can, and it gives you some sort of excuse to not do work and drink beer. I love it. This is uh, see, now this is great marketing right. right here. So if you've got some s- summer cookout with the family reunion or something like that, and you want to get out of it, you buy some Sam Adams, and they'll give you some good excuses. Is that what it is? Right. You look at the top of the can, it'll say, <laughs> I mean, you have to work on your car. You have to cut the grass. You have COVID. <laughs> exactly. Are, are we using COVID as an excuse to get out of things anymore? Is that an excuse? I think I'm going to, just to watch people <laughs> laugh at me. Yeah, Hammer said he's not going to make it. He's concerned about COVID. <laughs> Can you imagine? Uh, yeah, I think that's. there's some people still use that as an excuse, for sure. Uh, these specialty cans are available for pre-order, and drinkers can head to the Sam Adams store online, and they are expected to sell out. 
the cans are $5.30 as a nod to Sam Adams Summer Ale, which is 5.3% uh, alcohol by volume. I see what they did there. Now, when I think about Sam Adams... Samuel Adams. I, I think about that parody <laughs> that they did on Family Guy. I'll have water, too. But with lemon. I'll have a Sam Adams. It's 9.30 in the morning. And don't you have an outstanding DUI? Yeah, but I gotta get the taste of weed and hooker spit out of my mouth. <laughs> I'll have a Sam Adams, too. Samuel Adams. Always a good decision. <laughs> Always a good decision. Bravo. Rob Kendall up next. Right now, look at the news. I want you to get up right now and go to the window. Open it. And stick your head out and yell, I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. And now, Cameron and Nigel go off the rails with Rob Kendall. Noise pollution. My name is Nigel. Hammer is here. Rob Kendall from the Kendall and Casey Show. Indigo off the rails. Rob, how are you? I'm great. Thanks, as always, to our segment sponsor, Garage Doors of Indianapolis. So I wasn't here yesterday. I took the day off so I could watch the official uh, campaign announcement for Mike Pence. Um, <laughs> a was, full day's yes. tailgate at the Leskowski uh, house. That's right. I had the beer on ice at 8 a.m. The smoker was going, <laughs> and it was excitement plus yesterday. So we now have what? We have double-digit Republicans in running for president in the GOP field, which is a plus for Trump, don't you think? I think so, but I think you're going to find before we get to any sort of Iowa or even into the winter that a bunch of these people will be former candidates for president because if you're a money person, why would you be throwing money at, say, Aza Hutchinson? Or you know, I like the guy named Doug. <laughs> the guy from uh, was North, Dakota, <laughs> North Dakota, right? right? Yeah. Some dude named Doug from North Dakota. Remember the when Perot ran for president, he picked, this was in 92, so the first time, he picked some obscure elderly admiral. Stockdale, wasn't yeah, he, it? That, yes, that was his name. And he gets up there and goes, I know what you're thinking. Who am I? Why am I here? That is about half of these people in this field. Who am I? Why am I here? Why are they there? I mean, Pence, for instance. I mean, he does not. I like the things he had to say. I like his policies. I like the guy. But he's like at 3% and Trump is at. What, I mean, Trump's got a 30% lead over any other candidate that's including DeSantis right now. Well, that's because Pence is being advised by what I, I dubbed the Grifter Express. And these are people who for years have avoided working real jobs, uh, riding his coattails. And they recognize this is the last stop on the Grifter Express. And, well, worst case, they'll get six months of just palling around the country with Mike Pence and getting paid. Watching that thing last night, and yes, I did watch it last the, the night. The town hall? The town hall. Oh. We watch this crap so you guys don't have to. It's what we do. I didn't watch that. I watched the announcement in Iowa in the afternoon. That's what I was. That's what I was fired up for. How I was watched it? that damn town hall, <laughs> and I got to be honest, Rob. I didn't expect Mike Pence to go down a rabbit hole of being a cheerleader for Ukraine. He was upset that Biden was taking so long to deliver F-16s to Zelensky. Oh he was calling Putin a war criminal last night. I got to be honest, I didn't expect that. Oh, no, I totally would have. I'm sure Mike is just disappointed there's no soldiers because during his time in the Congress, you could always be counted on Mike Pence to do two things. One, run up trillions of dollars in debt for ill-begotten bungled wars. And two, voting to send other people's kids to fight and die in said war. So I'm not surprised by that at all. He loves the military-industrial complex. Yeah, I don't like that about him. That's the one thing I don't like. 
the other headline coming out of last night's town hall, if you even want to call it that, uh, he said he would not be interested in pardoning anybody that took part in January 6th. You know, here's the thing, and this is the, Mike Mike Pence is such a disingenuous, Mike Pence the politician is such a disingenuous person because just days before January 6th, He's at this rally in Georgia. It was when there was the runoff, and it was, you know, Loeffler and Purdue were running against Ossoff and the lunatic Warnock. guy, Warnock. And he's at this whatever stadium or whatever it is, and there's, you know, tens of thousands of people there. And he's up there going, I have big concerns about what's going on with this election. We're going to take a look at it. We're going to get to the bottom of it. We're going to this. We're going to that. And then he acts like on January 6th, well, these people and their concerns were just so egregious. There was nothing I could do. Well, wait a second, Skippy. Just a couple days before, you're telling people when they're cheering your name, oh, you've got concerns and you're going to get the bottom of it. And then you act like, well, I... I certainly didn't inflame the situation in any shape, form, or the fashion. The people turned on him at the event on January 6th, and that's what it was. Well, you can't tell people, again, if your whole thing is, hey, it's totally ceremonial, and this doesn't matter, and it's uh, fait accompli, and I'm just there to rubber stamp something, hey, reasonable people can disagree. But when the people are chanting your name, hey, we're going to get to the bottom of it, and then, well, I, someone should have done something, but I wish there was something I could do. There was. Not. Does Mike Pence, and at some point, and I can't tell you the glorious feeling it will be. At some point, Mike Pence is going to have to stand on a stage with Donald Trump. And I hope they're very <laughs> close to each other. And Mike Pence is going to have oh. to answer whether he believes Joe Biden got 81 million legal votes. And if his answer is yes, then we're done here. And obviously he's done here because that'll be the end of him. But if the answer is no, then the obvious follow-up is why'd you certify the election after just days before? These are his words, not mine. Just days before, you're talking about how you have serious concerns and you're going to get to the bottom of it. We're going to investigate it. you got to pick a lane, right? It's got to be one or the other, and he doesn't have an answer for that. Rob, with so many candidates in this GOP field uh, getting ready for the primary, Trump, what, he only needs about 30%, right, to, to be successful and get the nomination? I, I mean... Are you ready to call this for Trump? Because I kind of am. I mean, DeSantis, the needle has not moved much since he announced his candidacy. You know who Nigel is? Nigel's the guy who in uh, game six of the 1986 World Series would have told the Mets, don't even go out there and bat anymore. The game's over. There's a big lead for the Red Sox. Bill Buckner's rock solid at first base. Nothing could possibly happen. Uh, Obviously, Trump has a huge inherent advantage, but it's a lifetime between then and now. And if, you know, DeSantis executes a ground game, there's polling that shows he's making ground in Iowa. If he starts chipping away in these early states, I think South Carolina's made for DeSantis. I think Iowa's made for DeSantis. New Hampshire, probably not so much. But if he, you know, if he wins Iowa or they they tie in Iowa, it's got you got to get rid of some of these guys. You know who is the guy who, if Trump weren't running, I think would actually be the nominee is Tim Scott. Tim Scott. I would love it. I, I don't think Tim Scott's, because I think DeSantis is the Trump alternative. He's kind of stolen that banner. But I think if it were Tim Scott and DeSantis, I think Tim Scott would blow past DeSantis because he is he is a really likable guy and he is sharp. So if his polling isn't up to par after a couple different primaries that he finishes third through fifth, whatever the case may be, does he drop out and whoever picks him up as a running mate, if he wants to be, you know, number two on a ticket, does that person get a bump? Well, remember Cruz 
tried that yeah. when uh, the the woman, the guy that Trump made fun of her face. I know that doesn't really narrow it down. Uh, oh, gosh darn Horse it. Horse face? Mika Brzezinski? No, yeah. no, no. The lady, she was, <laughs> yeah, there's so many of them. Uh, the one, Mika was bleeding badly. Stormy was horse face. She was a Republican running, and Trump made fun of, said, who would want to look at that or whatever her name was. Uh, Cruz picked her as the running mate ahead of the thing, hoping that she would boost him. And, of course, it made absolutely no difference because nobody cares about the vice president. I mean, oh, well, I really like this other guy. But, oh, you chose this person as your meaningless number, too. Hot dang, let's go. Oh, Rob Kendall uh, going off the rails with us. That's going to kill me now that I can't think of that woman's name because it was the one we're talking about. Who would want to look at that? <laughs> Uh, Carly, uh, Carly Fiorina. Fiorina. Yes, That's who it is? Funky Cole Fiorina. How did we forget about that? <laughs> who would want to look at that? Wow. Quote from Donald Trump. <laughs> so it's not just. Mike Pence that's in the mix. Now you've got Chris Christie in the mix. Nikki Haley still hanging on here. Um, in 2015, help me out here, around this time, Donald Trump still wasn't the leader, was he? No. Oh, no, I think he was from the moment he got off the, the escalator, wasn't he? I mean, there was a huge... Oh, I, thought was... I thought Jeb Bush was oh, leading well, the Oh, well, you're right, yes, initially. And then they had that first debate. It really probably was the first debate where Trump emasculated everyone on stage, and then that's what he started with, the low energy. Right. and the, yes, 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 But you're, the you're, point being that even if you're Tim Scott or if you're Ron DeSantis, uh, you could be behind right now, but there is time. Yeah, and I think we talked about this last week. If you are, there's probably two other guys who have a chance, and it is Tim Scott and Ron DeSantis. You've got to be Joseph Newgarden at the Indy 500. You're, you're not starting near the front. But if you can, as Newgarden did, just methodically, hey, every 50 laps, you know, we're picking up three or four spots. And then, you know, it wasn't one big move. But then at the end, hey, now there's two of us and we got a chance to, you know, come on. We're coming around. I think that's how you got to look at it. You're not going to make it all up at once. But if you can get it down to you and Trump heading into Super Tuesday, I think you got a shot. And Trump is going to debate, right, in August? He's got to get out there, of course. I, I, you know, if I were him, well, if I were him, I would debate because I'm not afraid of my positions. Trump's not a very good debater. Trump's mean. He's a bully. But if you stand up to him, I've never been impressed with Trump in the debates other than the first debate with Hillary Clinton where everybody said he lost except for me because he was talking directly to the people in Michigan and, and Ohio and Pennsylvania. But other than that, I, I've never thought he was a great debater because he never gives any specifics. He just makes these vague statements. He's got good zingers. You'd be in jail. Yeah, like, it, he's got good one-liners. You're I, a real tough guy, Jeb. Yeah, I have the Russia-Ukraine thing fixed in 24 hours. It's yeah, a big one. He never really. But how? Explains. All right, hey, let's take a break. Yes. And when we come back, let's continue our conversation about Donald Trump because it sounds like there's an indictment yes. uh, coming down, another one. And is this going to move the needle in terms of 2024? Can we get into that? Yeah, absolutely. All right, Rob Kendall coming back with us. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. 78 at the American Standard Cooling Weather Center at 93 WIBC. Back with Rob Kendall from the Kendall and Casey Show. We're going off the rails here at 93 WIBC. So it sounds like an indictment is coming down for Donald Trump. This is the classified documents at Mar-a-Lago. Is this going to be something that 
stops his presidential run, Rob? Or is this going to be something that lifts him up almost a martyr status? Well, I think it further endears him to people. And I'm not convinced at this point this isn't a plan by the left to endear as many people to Trump as they can because I think they want to run against the guy. I think I think the left wants to run against Trump because his negatives are so high, especially amongst women who will decide the outcome of this election, that I think they probably are okay, oh, totally okay running against the guy. So even though... Joe Biden has classified documents, too. By moving forward with an indictment on Trump for classified documents, is the left willing to sacrifice Joe Biden to get another indictment on Donald Trump? Because it feels like, and I know Ted Cruz has said other things, but if you're going to indict Donald Trump for classified documents, you've got to do it for Joe Biden as well, right? Well, I think you... you, you Look, they don't play by the same rules anymore. Justice no. is not not blind, and I have no faith Joe Biden will be indicted for anything. If he were, I don't think the left would lose any sleep over, oh, no, not I Joe. I mean, he's got classified documents from back when he was a senator. Why do you have that? Well, but so does Mike Pence. Why do you have that? Remember, Mike Pence oh, went yeah. on national TV as a big tough guy. <laughs> I would never have classified documents. <laughs> There's no rules for anything anymore. You got some guy who went to jail because he was a, a, a loyal soldier who was on a Navy ship and took a picture and sent it to his folks and there was something classified in the background. They write these laws so they're vague enough that they can punish whoever they want to punish and let whoever they don't want to punish walk walk scot-free. I have no faith whatsoever in the justice system in this country anymore and that justice will be administered fairly. So answer this. Does the political left in America, do they want Donald Trump to be the nominee or do they want to keep piling on indictments and hopefully they can get something to stick to where he can't be the nominee? I think it's, it's uh, what's the old you know saying, heads I win, tails you lose sort of thing. I don't think they care either way because if they put him in prison, they th- they'll think that's great. And if he's the nominee, look, Trump has the highest negatives by far of any any Republican, and it's not—it's not even. Can close. he win the general? No, I don't. I don't think he can. You, now, you don't think he can beat Biden? No, I don't think so. I think Man. I think Trump is so right. offensive to women, especially. And here's the thing: I don't think Trump takes the campaigning seriously. And what I mean by that is, in order to be a good, effective campaigner, you've got to have a nuts and bolts operation that is ready to go for anything and everything. I thought he did in 16. No, I don't think he did at all. I mean, dude, it was like the the, the Trump campaign in 2016 was, uh, and I was in these groups, there'd be a guy going, I'm going to be at the Crawfordsville Wendy's at 4 4 p.m. I've got 100 signs. Come get them. There was no, there was very little nuts and bolts operation to. to he Trump. went to the states that he knew Hillary wasn't going to, and that's how he won. Yeah, but he, but he did it with rallies, and that's not going to work this time. You've got a nuts and bolts. You got to knock on Farmer Fred's door. Okay, you, and I just don't think he's. So got you got to go to the states, just do different. Yeah, things. Yeah, you got to, you okay. got to hit doors. You got to get people to the polls. You got to execute the ballot harvesting stuff. Look, the Republicans suck at campaigning. Period. So I'm not sure it's going to yeah. matter, but I think Trump has the least shot of any of the major players. What's coming up on your show tomorrow? Well, we're going to uh, talk about a little bit more with Abdul about this plan by Micah Beckwith to run for lieutenant governor at the convention and basically take away the pick of who the, whoever the Republican nominee for governor is. That's coming up tomorrow, 9 to noon. And as always, we say thank you to... Garage Doors of Indianapolis. He's off the rails. He's Rob Kendall. Thanks, Rob. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show.